Hey, what's up, you guys? Long time no talk, I understand. But let me tell you about this podcast right quick. Um, you ever run into a person and just immediately become friends? Well, this is my friend Ryan. That's what happened. So I invited her on the podcast so that she can give you guys a dose of her perspective. I hope you guys enjoy. She's pretty cool. Mariah, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? Welcome to my podcast. I'm glad to be here. You're glad to be here? Yes. Okay, so what I do is I, uh, I start off by where you were born. In uh, the first environment that kind of made you who you are. That made me who I am? Yeah. Um... So. Well, I was, born in, I was born in Arizona, but I wasn't born here. So okay. my mom was 15, and she did like a private adoption type thing. So I was adopted into a pretty intense Baptist family. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that was an interesting childhood. Um, did the baptism stick? No. No? <laughs> no, uh, not at all. doesn't look like it. doesn't sound like <laughs> No, because what happened was... It was, it was very different. My family couldn't have kids. Mm-hmm. My, bir- or my adopted mother couldn't have kids. Yeah. So they were looking for a little girl. And then after they finalized the adoption, they realized they were pregnant with my brother. Oh. And then they had another. Yeah. So my brother was like a carbon copy of my dad. <laughs> and then my sister was a carbon copy of my mom. And I just never fit oh, yeah? all throughout my childhood. And so I was... Middle child. No, I was the oldest. Oh, you're the oldest? By nine months. Okay. Nine months, I guess, can make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even though everybody thought my brother and I were twins, but I was nothing like the rest of my family, so... Yeah. It kind of made for a bumpy ride. Yeah? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Oh, man. I don't all have a bumpy ride. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Do I get to ask you questions? Um, yeah, I guess so. There's no rules for okay. regulations against that. Um, what do you want to know? The defining moment in your childhood when you decided who you were, I guess, or who, like, what direction you were going Oh, wow, go. that's, that's a good question. <laughs> the defining moments. Um, I can't really pinpoint that defining moment, but definitely when I got older, um, I was probably on my way out of the Marine Corps. I had to make a decision if I wanted to re-enlist or if I wanted to take chances without being pampered by the Marine Corps. In the and real world, do my own thing, world. yeah, and, and so I don't know. I've always kind of been into uh, really weird books, and then uh, I wouldn't say it's the defining moment, but I think it's the first step of like, oh, I'll try to rediscover myself before uh, I had priorities and obligations to enlist and have some sort of financial income to care for myself and. And, uh, you know, just the, the standard uh, get a job, make sure you get a good job so you can provide. How old were you? I was 24. 24? 24. That's how old I am now. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Dang. I don't so, know. are you making that decision right now, or you've already done made that decision? Um, I guess I haven't made a really solid decision on where I want my life to go. Yeah. I have an idea where I want it to go. Exactly, yeah, same here. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I really became myself 
junior year of high school because that was when that that rough family situation collapsed and yeah. I could either wallow or yeah. I could you know grow from it yeah and I chose yeah. the latter but that Which was is, I think it was a very good choice very yeah, healthy so choice too. yeah I didn't even used to talk really like, no it, when I was when I was a kid I was super loud I was super bubbly um, almost to the point of being kind of kind of obnoxious I'm assuming okay yeah um, same here yeah yeah so I was, I was like that <laughs> and then um I didn't talk. It was like middle school through sophomore year. I didn't talk. Like, and when I would talk, kids would would act surprised. They said you could talk. I said, yeah, I Did can that talk. You mute? Yeah, they thought I didn't. I didn't talk at all. And so, like, who's this weird girl that doesn't talk? <laughs> like, oh, the weird girl saying something. It's really, really strange. But um, and then I kind of reverted back to my original personality my junior year and mm-hmm. senior year, and then it just kind of went up from there in a way. Mm-hmm. Have you ever felt not yourself though? Yeah, yeah, many times. Um, and I think that's because I kind of grew up traveling around. Uh, not necessarily traveling around when I was younger, but like uh, we never stayed at one spot here in Phoenix. Phoenix, Mesa, Alatuki, Chandler. Um, and so I think that, like just being exposed to different schools, I got exposed to so many diversity, you know, with all the white kids in Mountain Point and then all the Mexicans and minorities in Cesar Chavez and so it really got me a, a good perspective on like oh man there's so many ways to express yourself and I didn't fit any of them yeah I feel <laughs> like that disorder. makes sense though because your personality is very open and, yeah. and you talk to everybody like you there's something to learn from them yeah yeah which is I which think I a lot see people that in you too that's why I wanted to get you on the podcast I'm like you're a little social butterfly just like me <laughs> Well, like, and I get so, I get so, I mean, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, but I'm an introvert at heart. Really? Yeah. yeah. So or I need to... Ambivert. Ambivert. What is ambivert. that? I think it's called ambivert. You're both. We're on this, we're on you're, intro, you're an introvert and an uh, introvert and an extrovert. Maybe that's what I am. But at times, you know how to, like, use it to your best ability, being an introvert or extrovert. Have you ever done the Myers-Briggs personality test? No. No? No. It's... It's kind of old, so it was basically for, I think it was for hiring companies. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but okay. it's, it's about 30 questions, and it's, it's you're intuitive or feeling or judging or perceiving, and it gives you four letters that apply oh, to yeah? your personality. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and mine is intuitive. I think intuitive, introverted, intuitive, feeling, and judging. <laughs> yeah. And judging, watch judging. out now. Judging oh, versus, versus perceiving. Okay, all right. So, like... I mean, I guess we can go into the difference between yeah. perceiving and judging. Oh, man. I could tell you about perceiving. Tell me. I mean, <laughs> I'm actually kind of trying to write a paper about perception and point of view. And oh, jeez. What I like to say is practice perspective. Practice perspective. Yeah. What does yeah. that mean? Um, that means to change a point of view. Uh, I have a kind of developing a, a belief system or a little, like, my own philosophy that's really kind of guided me in the right direction was that everybody has a perspective mm-hmm. their point of view and that point of view that perspective is molded throughout your childhood what you're exposed to uh, not only what you're exposed to but also your your just your cognitive functions of just like how you receiving an idea do you like that idea are you going to incorporate that idea into your life and so since there's so many people in the world so many religions so many ideologies there's a multitude of perspectives and I think right now we're kind of, we're trying to get at we're getting at all these perspectives have uh, preconceived notions in them that we don't 
we don't um, question because what's an, what's an example like like is it are we talking about culture or are we talking about um, race are we talking about upbringing specifically or all of it together and how they clash? kind of kind of all of it together like a belief system okay yeah every, everybody has a belief system okay and they built their identity around that belief system like what's wrong and what's right and what's yeah. normal yeah something moral something that gave them to you know basically uh, be a basic human being okay and, and so um I don't want to pick on anybody but like someone that doesn't believe aliens something like that like oh it's, I mean they believe in hardcore evidence there's no evidence that there's aliens um, and even though there's wild theories of the pyramids and UFO sightings the crop circles crop circles and I mean yeah they could be a lot of them could be fake and a lot of them like if you really look into the details it's pretty I think fascinating and probability wise of course there's motherfucking aliens <laughs> but a person's not gonna accept that belief system that idea because it conflicts with them it conflicts right. with your idea like oh I'm living in a world there's, where aliens don't exist if aliens do exist for that person like that means their not central core belief system but something in that belief system is wrong and since they form their identity around that they, they I don't know they might go crazy or they're, they're gonna experience cognitive dissonance where they don't want to accept that you that's know what I mean well that's what's so weird to me because that reminds me of how it is with, with veganism and you could lay out all the things that happen in slaughterhouses or all the or you know, sexism, and you could lay out all the things that are happening. Maybe not necessarily here as much, yeah. but in other countries. And you could lay it out. You could get photographs and statistics and interviews and people that have actually gone through it. And yeah. you could even quantify the numbers. And people will look at it, and you know they might have a temporary change, but they'll just go back to their normal life and pretend yeah. it's not happening. Yeah. Or they don't even want to look at it. And that's yeah. one of my pet peeves is the willful ignorance that so many people, especially in the U.S., yeah. like, choose <laughs> so to have. Yeah. They're, just, they're sticking with their, their same routine, their same way of thinking. Yep, always comfortable. Get comfortable, complacent. Because, yeah, change is hard, and, but it's like, it's a lifestyle. And so it's very hard to change that lifestyle. Well, and we all have to, I feel like the people who don't handle change well kind of have a disability in that way because it's the world we live in especially yeah. now with all the technology and with everything that's happening I feel like even more so I think for some yeah. people and I feel like if you if you can't adapt and you can't accept change and you can't accept others you're going to be between a rock and a hard place yeah. eventually mm-hmm. or you're going to be by yourself or you're going to be with some other miserable person Yeah. and then you're going to make your kids miserable and then it could produce more miserable people <laughs> and then that miserable, that miserable state is just going to be contagious and it's contagious and spread and we should get rid of that have you heard the theory okay there's this theory well i mean i think it's actually statistics prove it that smart people have kids less frequently and farther along and then the people who are reproducing oh yeah are the less I, intelligent ones yeah i think i yeah i think they made a movie about that no they yeah, did they totally made a movie about that <laughs> Idiocracy, I think it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. Cause, yeah. And I feel I feel bad for saying that because I have a friend with a four-year-old, but there's it's, it's like once you have a kid, you you, I mean not everybody, but I feel like people stop they start focusing on their child's development. I mean as they should, I would hope so. Mm-hmm. But then they neglect their own. Yeah. And so then you see these kid these kids that act exactly like their parents who never got to grow up and are still it's like kids having kids having kids and just 
it's infuriating to me <laughs> because crazy. then it just keeps making a problem yeah. for everybody else. You know, sitting down and thinking about the situation, just rushing into what I think they're rushing into what they've been told to do. You grow up, you have a job, you get kids, you get a house, that's how you live. That's Some people get kids a lot sooner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe it's just making more of a problem for people to fix and really start to question themselves, you know? Hopefully something gets figured out. It is. It's so, it's just, and I mean, if, if all you want to be is a mom or a dad, it's so awesome. Yeah. But I, it's, you can't neglect yourself and so many people, they start to neglect their marriage or, you know, themselves. And when they have kids, it's all about the kids, which is great, but there, there has to be a balance, especially, especially for women. Just because I know a lot of single moms. Oh, yeah. Or moms oh, yeah. that are married. Mm-hmm. There's, just, there's just this, you know, they can't, say if a dad wants to go out with his buddies, that's normal, that's guy's night, right? Mm-hmm. You know, poker, bar, beer, whatever. Yeah. But there's no female equivalent. And if there is a female equivalent, it's staying at home with your Mary Kay makeup party. Yeah. Because yeah. the kids are there and you're still surprising the kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, and think about it. How do, how do people look at the mother that's the new mother that's going out and going to the bar versus the father that's going out and going to the bar it's just it's so different yeah and it's yeah. ingrained in our culture and people still don't think that that's an issue yeah I don't know that really no I think this generation um, not this generation but we have I don't think it's as uh, as well known and stigmatized for like I mean, yeah there's a girls night out, out now like obviously right. but like not I know what you mean it's not um, wasn't normal as much as a guys night out well how like how how often do you experience I mean do people kind of judge you for dancing with different partners or judge you for going out ever or did, have you ever felt that <laughs> um no uh, no I, I, sometimes sometimes when I smoked a little bit too much weed yeah I do <laughs> question way too much I'm like oh man like people are gonna question me just because I go to salsa every Friday and dancing with all these women but nobody ever does no because uh, maybe someone does but from what I learned just like learning the dance community here it's mm-hmm. like oh man this is like a little subculture like it's the thing to do and yeah you see all the same people and I think it's just whoever is not familiar with other people in that in that setting they they will question that you know of yeah. course and people are very judging they're very questioning like they very opinionated we, we all are very selfish creatures to an extent um, which I don't think is a bad thing I mean I think it helps us you know self-discover it's like a survival thing too I feel like a lot of the times yeah oh yeah definitely survival thing and sometimes you just gotta die sometimes what? you just gotta die what do you mean you just have to die? uh <laughs> like destroying your ego this is like like <laughs> not literally die no I get what you mean like, some, yeah, like destroying your ego all of what you thought was like, true to yourself you're kind of talking about re- Birth in a way. Rebirth. That's what yeah. I feel Rebirth. like. Rebirth, yeah. Yeah. That's the scariest thing, though. It is very scary. It's very terrifying. Well, and I feel like that's why some people, I mean, because we went to Mexico together. Um, yes, yes, that's where we met. Yes. Yes. So I feel like some people in that group, and I think you'll, you'll be able to identify them, but like who learned the most or who gleaned the most from that trip, you know, or who stayed in their, their little community of, mm-hmm. of ASU non-Spanish speakers and who branched out and yeah. who has connections there and who doesn't and who, you know, plans to continue that learning and who doesn't. Yeah. 
and well, and I mean, they're they're still also just kind of young, belligerent college kids. We are the kids. two oldest over there. Well, besides Daniel. Yeah, yeah. Besides Daniel. Maybe but, do you think age has something to do with it a lot? A lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Age and just I mean, not necessarily age, um, but age plays a factor because really it's just what you're exposed to. What, you, what, what daring things have you done as you grown up and lived a belligerent, stupid adolescent year of Were you belligerent learning. and adolescent and stupid in the Marine Corps? I was such an idiot. I was such or an before. idiot. Really? Oh yeah, even before the Marine Corps. Just, you know, just the society has these preconceived notions and stigmatizes how a guy should act this way and how a girl should act this That's way. That's true. Right? And so, yeah, like to really express my masculinity. So and you're saying you're supposed to be stupid. Well, you know, you're not supposed to be, but I lived and learned. Okay. <laughs> But which made me dig a very deep hole to do a lot of work to climb out of, to really have a new perspective and always constantly challenge myself. What's the one thing that you did that you didn't think you'd come back from? What do you mean? Like, in the Marine Corps? No, just, just in your in your wild years or in your in your younger years, the one thing that you, you did and you thought that you would never be able to kind of come back from it or it felt like the worst thing in the world in time. Or it sticks out in your head. Do you have one of those? Um, this makes me think that you have one of those. I, I don't know. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think in my head right now, too, if yeah, I have one. That's a good question. Um, yeah, I've done a lot of dumb stuff. I mean, I guess not necessarily as traumatic, but being young and stupid, I did a lot of beer runs when I was young. A lot of beer runs? Beer runs. What, are the, what is that? You get beer and you pretend you're underage, of course. Well, you pretend that you're older? Yeah, to go pay for it, but you can't have any ID, and you run out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. That you got. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of pretty normal. I think there's... I've never done it's that. It's called a beer run. No, really? No. Well, I've, I've taken things from stores before. Yeah, you stole? Yeah. Yeah. It's more, well, I mean... Yeah, I stole beer, but... I used to do... I didn't... It wasn't so obvious. Like, I would slip it in my boot, or I would put it, like, in my shirt or yeah. something, and then I'd buy something on the way out. But I did a lot when I was younger, like, and I mean, I'll and do it now. You're a wild child too, huh? No, <laughs> I'll do it now every now and then because it's funny because I'm with my friends and then I'll be like, oh my God, and I'll like pull it out of my sleeve and, and then <laughs> just, they, yeah, or like, you know, like you stick something in your sleeve and then you're like, oh my yeah. God, and you pull it out and my friends are like, oh my God, she did it again. <laughs> so I like to see if they, if they notice yeah. or if the, I mean, that's awful, but that is, that's I could get in really big yeah. trouble for that. <laughs> You're 24. You better stop doing that shit. I know. I haven't done it in a, in a uh, while, but I just... No, but I understand. It's hilarious. It's, it's like a rush. It's it like is. A, it's like you got away with something, which is why I kind of liked... When I was younger, I did a lot of beer runs, and... Oh, man, I could tell you stories where I did even more stupider shit than that, but it was adrenaline of getting away with yeah, it. Yeah, potentially like, oh, getting caught, but yeah. And then when you start putting it. logistics and thinking about it, and, <laughs> and then you get away with it, oh, that was a perfect execution of that. And then you get cocky. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever get caught? You no. You never got caught. Really? Not with the beer runs. So you're a pretty fast runner then, I assume. I'm a decent runner. <laughs> fast enough. <laughs> I've never done anything like that. I mean, yeah. I guess just the petty theft yeah. is not putting me above you in any way, but... Yeah, it's just, you know, rebellious teen years of just being belligerent. I didn't have those. No? Well, Baptist parents, remember? Oh, yeah. So tell me more about that. Yeah. Tell me. Oh, gosh. Um, so 
I don't think I had a bad childhood at all. I think it was it was pretty nurturing, and it was it wasn't until I started having my own ideas, mm-hmm. where parents are supposed to like, kind of, relax a little bit and let the child become the adult that it was, basically, taught to be. Yeah. But instead yeah. of that, it was it continued like the same exact parenting style. Yeah. So yeah, so I mean, it got to a point when I was in high school and. Um, my high school counselor met with my siblings, so it was my little sister, my little brother, and me, and he started calling me into his office every week for a year. Um, Jeez, for a year? Yeah, for a year, because it took that long to crack. <laughs> to crack me, yeah? basically, yeah. Because he, he, he said he saw something that was really disturbing, or saw something that was really weird in the dynamic between my parents and I, mm-hmm. and so he he just picked me. And yeah. Yeah, and tried to he tried That's to talk to me every time. Yeah, he was he's still. I mean, I'll, I'll go see him every now and then, and because he was the pivotal. You know, do you have that person? It's like a pivotal person in your life, and yeah, you don't know where you'd be if they didn't kind of steer you in the right direction. Yeah, that's yeah. who he is. Oh, that's good for me. And yeah. I didn't ask for him. I didn't, you know, ask for help. I didn't. I, I didn't like even. I didn't like going in there. I hated him for the longest time because yeah. I felt it was. Yeah, I felt it was like. I felt I was being picked on or targeted you know mm, yeah. I you know when they do they do like a intercom or my teachers would be like Mariah time to go to the counselor's office and I felt so <laughs> dumb you know and yeah. I mean I finally kind of spilled the beans about what was going on at home which was a lot of um mental and sometimes physical abuse um mostly from my mom and oh, wow. um it, it from there it kind of like we tried to figure out kind of an exit strategy Mm-hmm. I mean, my parents had stuff like um, we weren't allowed to listen to any secular music. Um, Jeez. I wasn't allowed to, you know, there was obviously a curfew. I wasn't allowed to date. Um, they had things on our computers that mm. would monitor what we were doing, take a snapshot of the screen every 30 seconds. What? Really? Yeah. And I was, at the time, I was, I was like 15, 16. Yeah. So, Did you think that was normal at first until... Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. Our, our doors weren't allowed to be closed unless they were getting changed. They had to be open. Yeah. Um, so there was no privacy. There was no individual thinking. There was no, you know, encouragement. There yeah. was no creativity. And I was yeah. always the artistic and the communicative yeah. one. And my siblings were math and science, which is fine. Yeah. But yeah. my talents weren't as Until it important. went against the belief system. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's when it becomes a huge problem, a huge exactly debacle of self-realization. I think there's something very like intrinsic in us, especially of course in our rebellious teen years, where you know we kind of want to test the boundaries, we want to break the rules, and that's that's I think a part of self-discovery. You know, that's what I like, think. I think I think that helps us grow. That's why when I got older, I thought, you know, I, I thought it wasn't really necessarily their fault as much as it was them not knowing how to parent. Yeah. Because they, they just held on tighter and tighter, or like, you know, suppressed that natural thing. Yeah. And it wasn't like I was having sex or doing drugs or running away. But yeah, yeah. I just, you know, like you said, questioning everything and maybe not always in the most polite way, but you have to let kids do that because, I mean, it could go one way or the other. I mean, they could continue being suppressed and then go bonkers somewhere down the road mm-hmm. when they get a taste of freedom, or they could just become. I mean, exactly like their parents, yeah. which I don't think is the best thing. No. I don't no. think you're supposed to be carbon copies of your parents. No, no, yeah, you're right. I, I think it's kind of sad. As well. Yeah. And it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of sad how we don't really have establishments that kind of highlight these problems and questions of 
I mean, it's, it's called cognitive dissonance when someone has a belief system and have any ideas or person interactions that goes mm-hmm. against that. They're going to fight to try to, they're going to try, try to fight to uh, protect that idea. And which is natural, it's like very instinctual, it's very just default in the human brain. But since we know that now, it's, it's not going to be the end of the world when we have those questions that right. go against the belief system. I feel like that's been, oh, I don't know. I feel like we're almost, the U.S. is almost founded on that idea. Yeah. Like, they don't want to, I mean, yeah. think about how long it took for, you know, people of the same gender to get married. Yeah. Like, how long did that take? How yeah. long did it take for women to be able to vote? Yeah. That was, well, that's not even that new. Have you heard of this new, uh, it's not a new trend, but my my gay uncle, he tells me all the, the hip, the, the trend and the, and the fad of, I don't know, I guess the community of the gay people. Right, the gay community. Yeah, he's the gay community. He, just, he lets me know, like, what's going on in there. And right. It's like, it's cool. I find it interesting because they're the, probably the most rebellious in society that we know. Yeah, they're the new movement. For yeah. sure. I agree. And um, because it's going against all of our established, you know, notions of what we thought a man and a woman should be. Yeah, but um, on, like, Facebook now, like, I've seen these posts about, um, no, like, being gender fluid. Or like non-binary, where they don't—is that where they don't identify? Yeah, with they don't identify either with yeah, either one or they're both, and it's—it's it's like really being a huge trend now. But a lot of more adolescent kids are like expressing that, and some of it's kind of like, come on, all right, you just want attention because they, they say, oh, I don't feel—I don't like how I go into a store and there's only guy curls and girl clothes, and I don't fit the description of either. Well, I feel it's like, like you could, you know, be creative and, I mean, and mix match any clothes you want to wear. I mean, that's, you but know, But then fashion. people make you feel weird. I mean, kids yeah. at least. I mean, if they go to school yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the thing in kids. And, uh, but, I mean, it's so weird to me because at first it was like gender fluid and then now it's just being non-binary. And I can really, really understand just understanding this, this body as a vessel. Like, we really identify with this body, mm-hmm. how we look. So now we groom and want to look yeah. a certain way. And I'm all for that. I love getting fancy. Yeah, and, me too. And going out and having a good time. But now I kind of like it because it really does, I think, go in the direction of how, well, from what I believe, like these bodies are just like instruments. They're just temporary. And to not identify with the body, I think, goes into a lot more into spirituality. Because it's not really, I mean, I guess it's really, I mean, it sounds corny, but it's what's inside that's really going to make the difference. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever identified with anything other than straight? Straight? Uh-huh. Um, no. No? I, I definitely, when I was younger, I definitely had this question to myself. Really? I love women, and I'm pretty sure I'm made here to love women. And <laughs> okay. Like, I mean, but then again, I appreciate the beauty of a man, too, like, I work out and I compare chest and sculpt size and oh man this guy's like more ripped than me <laughs> fucking of course I'm jealous a little bit but like I can still like highlight his figure like oh you're a really good looking man um but women I'm supposed to okay alright that's fair enough yeah that's fair enough and even that like guys can't do that guys are so weird nowadays where so much gay gay um humor in in the military Oh my god! But as soon as like someone is actually gay, and it becomes a huge it's problem. It's like you don't talk and, about it, right? Yeah. And if you if you yeah. do, I mean, what is that? Ha- what happens if 
there's something that's obviously gay. I mean, yeah. they probably get a lot of flack there, don't they? Because you were in the, yeah. Marine, the Marine Corps, which yeah, is... Yeah, the Marine Corps. Like, the most disgruntled eh, of yeah, guys. Yeah, it's worse. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Which is cool, though. Like, they're a different breed, and uh, they're a necessary evil to get rid of evil in the world. And I, I love my experience in the Marine Corps and what I learned from it. But then again, it's just like, uh, we still need to be educated how our bodies are just vessels of other things. Well, that's the thing. I feel like, oh gosh, the big thing for me is language. Oh, yeah. Like, well, and the words we use. Oh, yeah. Because I don't Definitely. like when people say, I mean, things that reinforce the social structures we've created, mm-hmm. which mean nothing, yeah. by the way. It's and sometimes so it's default. Dumb. We don't realize how we're reinforcing it. Yeah. The words. We're, we're accustomed, so accustomed to doing it, like, um, boys will be boys, or I don't hang out with girls because they, they're, they gossip too much, or they're, they're just jealous, or, you know, they, mm-hmm. you know, just, like, re, like, kind of re- solidifying those preconceived notions I hate that like yeah, yeah. or it's saying oh that's retarded or that's it's yeah. gay or you know <laughs> making it synonymous with yeah. something lesser when there's so many other words you could use yeah. I just I don't understand you will never hear me say any of those words yeah I don't think you have heard me say any of those words in that way no, no but that was a lot yeah of sometimes I still I mean use words because I mean it's just you gotta know how to use your words with who you're talking to. You gotta know that person who you're talking to. You gotta but talk to them a certain know? way. How do you know? Because I mean, say if you're meeting somebody for the first time and you get really into this conversation and then you say something like, oh, you know, like say it's, it's a girl or something and you're on a yeah. date and she's talking about these issues she's having with, you know, maybe her ex or, yeah. you know, guy friends and then you say boys will be boys <laughs> and she reacts really negatively to that. How, yeah. are you gonna, how are you gonna, like, fix that <laughs> issue? How are you gonna fix it? Well, I mean, once you you gotta explain the situation and also pick her brain to why that made her mad in the first place. Okay, wait, yeah. go ahead, like, do it. Do it. I mean, you just said it to me, and I'm I'm mad at you. Go. You're mad at me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you gotta. Give, you need more. We need more context. Okay. I, okay. All right. No, I think this will be a good starting point because. Um, uh, oh man. So this is gonna be a good exercise for me too. <laughs> Generalization. Um, women don't like to be generalized in a huge category. <laughs> okay. Right? Well, that's okay. true. But that's true. nobody likes to be generalized, though. Because yeah. girls want to feel special. Why Every just girls? This is just my, my trend I've been noticing. They want to feel special. They like getting pretty. They like getting you know their makeup done, their nails done, and go out and be the most stunning thing on the dance floor. Okay. Right? Well, I, I mean, I feel like that's just kind of a person thing like you you said not too long ago that you love getting dressed up and you like going out yeah, looking yeah. good oh yeah guys do it too yeah but it's more so for girls why do you think that is because they're looking for a mate oh because they're looking for a mate they're so they're, they're peacocking they're peacocking they're subconsciously looking for and it's not gonna be anybody it has to be like the perfect somebody but you gotta really know how to woo a, a female to really be approved of her sexuality and her comfort zone, right? Mm, I'll actually so I think it's a little bit of both. There's a little bit of just biological nature of men and women. I'll actually give you that, yeah. Because, well, that's true. People with our preconceived notions. Have you seen, oh gosh, it's um, The Science of Attraction or something? Um, no. It's interesting because it shows exactly kind of how you pick your mate and 
you won't pick like there's definitely biological rungs that are standards like if yeah. if people won't pick somebody that's super out of their league mm-hmm. and if they do it often causes problems yeah. because there's either insecurities or there's differences or the person who's better looking is always subconsciously looking for somebody else who's say it's, say it's like a guy mm-hmm. and a guy is with this really pretty girl mm-hmm. and um, he constantly feels insecure because you know other people are looking at yeah. his girl I say I think, that with I think I've caution. seen this mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and I think I've been the outsider I'm like how the fuck did this guy get to this exactly <laughs> and see there's people thinking that right yeah. and so he knows yeah. that he's aware of yeah. that and then she's also aware of that and she probably you know, that's that reinforces her kind of personal, yeah. I mean, her ego. And then in the back of her head, she's thinking, well, you know, is this guy really who's going to, you know, this guy next to me, I love him, but, you know, there's this guy over here, and I feel like that's within my reach, and could that person provide me basically with stronger, better offspring? Could he protect me better? And it's a yeah. biological, yeah, like, function. Almost like a principle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess, I mean... I don't know how we got there, but I think, it, I think it's true. We went waist deep into the line. <laughs> we, just, we just started and we just went into our deep preconceived notions, self-reflecting and what does it be a man and woman. This is good though. I like this. This Ooh. is a good podcast. Then do you think men and women can be friends? Yeah. You do? Uh-huh. Okay. Why is that? Um, because we're smarter now. <laughs> Definitely smarter now. But I just, it really needs... Okay, so there really needs to be a foundation and understandings met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a like um, kind of laying it out beforehand, or well, because I mean, you have to. I think exist it's better. With and yeah, I think it's better laid out beforehand. And of right. course, I've been in that situation where, you know, my ex girlfriend just like we liked each other immediately. We liked each other immediately, and we. Uh, you know, try the relationship out, and then as we continue to progress as a relationship, we we realize we're just so much better friends than actual like relationships. Because even relationships, I've learned that we we have preconceived notions of what we want a relationship to be. Yeah. And a lot of and this, I think, this part is a lot of. Of course, it's what we're exposed, but mostly of what we create our own fantasy in our our ideal mate. Well, once again, it's that perception thing and yeah. what we've been exposed to. Yeah. Of course, yeah, you got to manipulate what you're exposed to to really create your ideal person. And so when we have a partner mm-hmm. and they're not meeting that standard, that's when things go to shit. Yeah, because even if you love that person entirely, yeah. it's like you have this param- these parameters that you want them to fit in, and when they don't, even though, even though that person's... I mean, the best thing to you, Yeah. it's not going to work because it's not fitting into what you want. So it's almost like putting, I don't know, what is that saying? Putting a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. Yeah. And we get so frustrated when it's a fit. Yeah. And destroying the whole goddamn puzzle. And yeah. And then you're like, why did I do that? Because it wasn't actually that bad in the yeah. first place. Yeah. <laughs> like, why did I screw that up? Yeah. But oh, yeah. I don't know. Man, relationships. So this is perfect. Oh, relationships. This is a good... Good segue. I don't know if I'm ready for the relationship talk. For getting the female perspective on relationships and, I don't know, what do you look for in a guy? What's your ideal perception of what you want? Um, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, I mean, I guess I'll start with, I think it's getting harder the older I get or the older I, I date. Mm-hmm. Um, because 
I mean, the older we get, the more preconceived notions we've acquired yes. for relationships based on the failure of our past ones. Oh, yeah. Emotional baggage. Ugh. Yeah. So it gets so much harder because, the, like, the little goal we're trying to fit, you know, we're trying to fit this person into these parameters and they get smaller and smaller and smaller the older we get. And unless we change that, I feel like nobody's ever going to be happy. So I guess for me, I mean, the biggest thing, I guess the biggest issue I've had is, is I tend to do this thing where I, <laughs> it's so awful because if, if I'm not being paid attention to, I'm just like, you know, I don't know if I'm like, I don't know if I want to be in this anymore or, you know, I, I think we should see, you know, other people. And then I fully expect the guy to be like, no, 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 that's not what I want. Mm. And cause that's been a successful method for a very long time. <laughs> And it doesn't, oh, it's not You're healthy. Bad. It's not You're healthy. It's so bad. Yeah. Because, I mean, and it's true. Women, I mean, and that's another thing. Women have, are more selective because mm -hmm. biologically they have to put more into having the children yeah. and the mating process. Whereas a man can simply, you know, be with that woman for a night even and then go, you know, spread his seed elsewhere. But a woman yeah. has to dedicate nine months to the offspring yeah. at the very, at the very least. And mm -hmm. so we're very, very selective and some of us can be, can be very selective. And yeah. so it's, it's hard. I think for me, it's hard to like accept being in a relationship and not getting like top tier treatment all the time. Cause yeah. people, you know, and, and you know, the wooing thing usually happens by men. The men pursue the women, mm -hmm. you know, the flowers, the chocolates, opening doors. And I love that stuff. <laughs> and even though I'm a feminist, I love that. Mm -hmm. And then it gets to the point where it stops happening. And then at the same time, the women aren't reciprocating. So you can't expect a person to be giving, giving, giving and not getting anything back. I mean, women don't even give men compliments. Mm -hmm. Not not really, because men aren't supposed to want compliments. Men are supposed to be strong and confident and not care what they look like as much. They're not, they don't need to be protected, but mm -hmm. that's so opposite of the truth. Oh man, guys are babies. <laughs> guys are babies. It's true. Once, once like we get a girlfriend and... And they, they break down that border of tough guy. There is Which doesn't baby. even take that long. <laughs> it doesn't. No, yeah. I never forgive myself for that. That's <laughs> <laughs> a learning lesson that I've learned myself. And, uh, well, I, I feel yeah. bad because I've done that to like multiple guys where I've just been like, you know, it's, it's always them, them, they feel like, and I know this, they feel like they're on a tightrope and there's no safety net and I keep wiggling the tightrope. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and it's so screwed up because I mean, and, and I, I should have hold it in, but I, I want to be honest with them. Mm -hmm. But I think it's me not being sure of how I'm feeling. It's not necessarily, mm -hmm. you know, with my ex, we were together for three years and I mean, he, he, you know, there was differences that I think that we won't get back together. I still think he's amazing. And I still think he's like, I, I still have not found anybody nearly as attractive as him or, you know, anybody gave me that same feeling. But the issue with that was, you know, I did the same thing. I did the on and off thing. And, you know, every time this person got hurt, they tried to come back and, you know, do the same thing. And it yeah. was harder and harder for him to keep trying because mm -hmm. I kept doing that same thing. And it's, I think that's, it's the fear of being rejected because being an adopted kid, you know, my yeah. real mom didn't really want me, which I know isn't true, but somewhere in my subconscious, it keeps yeah. telling me it is. Yeah. And then my adopted parents, we don't even speak anymore. So they didn't really oh, no? want me. Mm -mm. Wow. No. Wow. So with the relationship thing, it's been really, really hard. So it's almost like I protect myself by pushing everybody away before it can happen to me. Wow. <laughs> and no wonder you don't, uh, it makes sense where you don't kind of mess around with drugs or psychedelics because 
what I really like about psychedelics is that it really does go down to your root grudge or a little something that you're not that you're trying to cope with and it's a lot of stuff that we're not even aware about and it just fuels that and overflows you with that to try to understand that and and uh it's very overwhelming it's definitely mine the rejection thing yeah yeah which yeah. is crazy because in every but at least you're aware of it now i am yeah, i'm very aware of, of it it's good yeah i mean it's easy to overcome that with like you know, everyday, everyday things. Like, I don't know how to do this job, but I'm going to do it. I don't know how to speak Spanish, but I'm going to do it. I don't yeah. know how to... But when relationships, when it's so intimate and you've given literally all of yourself to that person, yeah. and then for somebody to decide that they don't think it's enough, mm-hmm. you know, going back to that childhood trauma, it just, it yeah. just like locks up in my brain and there it is again. Yeah. Which I have no reason to feel like that because I don't necessarily think that... I Like, at no other point... Have I like? Do I really think that I'm unworthy of anything? But it'll creep back in, and I'll be like, "Stop it! Yeah, this isn't this isn't true. Like you need to calm down." But I, I know that. Yeah. What's yours then? Do you know yours? Oh man, yes, I got some demons. To go what is it? To. Tell me one. What is one? Oh man, well, I think I only have one demon, um, and it's just. Uh, I guess it's about my, my father. Um, yeah, you don't talk about your dad a lot. Uh, I mean, well, who does? <laughs> yeah. But he just he's just another wounded, wounded man, and he didn't really know how to be a father. So I never really had a, a role model. And I never knew how important it was to have a role model, a father in my life. You know, like, I had that preconceived notion. Like, oh, well, guys, have it figured out. But um, what I'm realizing is that uh, not only girls that have daddy issues... <laughs> Guys, guys have also daddy have issues daddy too. Issues. Yeah, like we don't know what it means to be a man, mm-hmm. and yeah, we have this notion of which I still agree with. You gotta, you gotta build something. You gotta provide for your family, mm-hmm. which that's a default. I think that's just my Hispanic background of being so family oriented. Well, that seems really traditional too. Yeah, yeah, very traditional. You always gotta provide for your family, and provide. Um, but like then again, it's just like how you carry yourself, um, and just so much more into that. And so I never really had a strong foundation of a good father figure. And I love my dad, and I, I understand what he's been through, and, um, and he's taught me a lot through what he's done. And so I learned to kind of separate um, pointing fingers and holding a grudge because he didn't know how, because even his father didn't know how to be a father. Was, See, there it is. It's yeah, a cycle. It's just a cycle. And, and so it's just like can't be mad at the dumb person an idiot that doesn't know better or like a child because you can't you can't fix it yeah and so all i could do is just work with it day by day as the time goes by um, he's doing a lot better now he's he's still a good guy uh, but oh man he's, he's telling me some things and, and so um, do you feel like you know how to i guess well okay so so it, what does it mean to be a man to you, I guess, is my question. And do you feel like you've reached that now and how? I feel like I have not reached that yet. Why is uh, that? I think once I'll have a child, maybe it'll be some better solidified. But no, I'm still, I'm still like, I mean, all I could base my assumptions is what I've been exposed to. And I, I accumulate things that I resonate with and I disregard things that I don't. But... I think for a man, um, 
we like to serve, we want to serve, like we, we do something, we want some higher purpose, whether it's God or being patriotic and serving in the military. Uh, I see a lot of guys, once they find this, this thing, this, this label they can put on their shoulders and be proud to serve, yeah. that's the serving aspect is, in, I think, very uh, innate in guys. I want to serve a higher purpose, and so I think it's somewhere along with that. And for so for me, uh, it was God, it was the military, but it still wasn't enough because there were so many preconceived notions that weren't questioned in in the military and God and, right. and all that. And so I think it's also being adventurous and challenging that. You know, what good is a belief system if you're not going to challenge it? I think it only you know kind of deteriorates the, the weakness to try to make something stronger. Yeah, because I mean you have to practice, you have to put it into practice to yeah. make sure that it's still functioning essentially. Yeah, yeah. and that we makes sense. and here in I mean what I've been exposed to in Arizona and California, maybe some hidden spots in California, but um, the bases uh, there isn't any. We don't really have any rituals or ceremonies anymore of a boy becoming a man. Yeah. And so I kind of like think that's something fun to do, traditions and ceremonies, and you see it all over like in the, the indigenous community how they have that, and uh, it's a defining moment where I think uh, a boy to become a man, you finally just gotta take initiative. You just gotta take initiative. You're not mm. gonna be giving anything. I mean, of course, yeah, you are, uh, based on how you're born and what's 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 being brought to you. But you really just gotta take initiative. You gotta challenge. You gotta serve your higher purpose, and so questioning that higher purpose. I guess my question with that is, do you think that the whole ingrained, or the patriarchal society issue and the, and the ingrained sexism issue, do you think that it's a like equality versus equity thing? As in, you know, men, so do you believe men and women aren't equal mm-hmm. in, in that they're very different and they, they have different talents, yeah. but, you know, there's been this issue where you know, it's equality, 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 but we're not the same. So yeah. equity makes more sense in kind of raising everybody to the same starting point, you know, giving everybody, like say you're looking over a fence and there's three different heights, you give them all a different, you know, like a different height of box so they can all be at the same height, but they're not all going to be given the same thing. Yeah. So I guess that makes more sense because you think, I think you have very distinct ideas about what men should do or what role men should play kind of, in general, right? right? In general, if you have that stream of consciousness of just masculine man, but of course, if they're not embodying that body, uh, I guess it's just how that person identifies. Mm. Uh, if they're more masculine to be a man, or more feminine to be a woman, or something in between, or something both. Because uh, well, I remember you telling me that you wanted to, that's what you wanted to do, you wanted to create like a almost like a, a cultural center or something to, uh, to, to help. I want to cult. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, That's what it is, not cultural a cult, cults. Uh, You're right. the world a whole new religion. And you uh, want to be like the, the father of all the yeah, children in the I'm cult. I'm the daddy. I am the daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, like, anyways, <laughs> no, your yeah. actual idea. Well, I don't know. Is that I like mean, no, it's still developing, yeah, but I, I do fantasize of kind of like, um, sitting down like a philosophy to really uh, help men because I have so many friends 
and so many friends' friends that um, they're they're drug addicts, they're alcoholics, they're just they're just they they copped into what they were exposed to, so they raised in the hood, so they're gonna do hood things and be raised in the hood, or um, and so I want to like kind of put a philosophy to make them question that not necessarily questioning to go against that but like to make sure they like enabling them to make the decision that they yeah, want to yeah. make is that what you want to do you gotta Instead really know yourself you gotta really know yourself to know <clears throat> if you want to be influenced by your your environment so something along the lines of like that i think that's important for kids too oh yeah yeah everybody in general well because i i don't know i feel i don't know because i do you know how your personality came to be the way it is? Do you have somebody who you're like or somebody? Oh, man. I love this question. Yeah. Yeah, I had this talk with my cousin. And it's, Tell me. <laughs> it's, just, it's basically asking, like, what really makes you, you? Yeah, and how did you get there? Uh, I think it has, it's a little bit of both, of okay. nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's it. It's nature versus nurture. But that, that nature part is something more interesting because there's some things you just know you don't like. And like what? Um, what? What is it? What do you not like? Um, what I don't like, uh, I just can't remember right like now. Like attributes or like food? No, because like I hate food. raisins. Yeah, like food. <laughs> raisins are disgusting. Yeah, there's like food and just I don't know stuff like that. <laughs> okay. I guess there can be attributes too, but okay. um, I don't know. For me, I think just a lot of traveling and being exposed to more things of how people express themselves. I really like notice. I'm like, oh wow, there's so many ways to express yourself. How come they chose to be that way? And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's because they were raised in this neighborhood. Oh, it's because they have this type of parents. And and so, I don't know. Once you your mind wraps up around knowing the diversity there is in the world, oh man, that make you just go insane to know which perspective you should look through. I feel so much smaller after Mexico. Yeah. I feel, yeah, just, I mean. Isn't it so. Oh, that made me crazy. so proud to be Mexican. <laughs> I loved, I yeah. loved, like. It was. It, I can only it, imagine it being there, mm-hmm. especially because of your background, was so probably yeah. amplified. Alma, too. I feel like Alma oh, yeah. really, like, yeah. came into her own. Yeah. But, I mean, for, for me, because I don't, I don't know what my ethnicity is, I have no clue. I have no idea where really? I'm from. No. Oh, wow. I mean, birth mom, 15. She doesn't know. I mean, now she's what? Like, maybe you're 40. a little bit. You're Romanian? I just because my hair is dyed red, everybody thinks I'm Romanian. Uh, no, you have the facial structure of uh, Romanian, maybe a little bit of Turkish. Yeah. Are you sure? No, 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 not Turkish. Um, maybe Swedish. Are you sure? <laughs> you sound very, you sound very sure. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, forty percent sure. <laughs> That's reassuring. I'll go with that. I'll just tell people. I'll put that like on the check mark on the <laughs> on the box. But I don't know. I guess I liked feeling. I liked feeling like I was part of the culture and I liked being able to successfully communicate with somebody like mm-hmm. my last last three days at work I've used Spanish at work yeah that's totally awesome that's, yeah isn't it like once you learn a new language it's like oh my god yeah, you're like I can understand what you're <laughs> saying to me yeah. it's not gibberish anymore <laughs> it's crazy yeah. and it, it's nice to see like the feeling that I would get because I mean you you and I were both that way when we would talk to the locals and everything and you see, we would see their eyes light up you yeah. know when you would give that solid effort and when you kind of knew what you were doing yeah. and that which comes from effort mm-hmm. but 
that's the feeling I love. Like their eyes would light up, and they want to learn too, and, and you want to learn, and it's just how real, how like I, I liked feeling out of place. Like I liked feeling like every day was a challenge. Like mm-hmm. how am I going to get home if I get lost, or who am I going to talk to, <laughs> yeah. you know, if I need help, or how am I going to say that? Because I don't like being back here, and it, it's being it's so easy. I feel lazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel it's lazy. So convenient over here. That's. And I feel like, bad for you know people that come in and speak only Spanish because I know what that's like to everybody look at you and be like we don't speak English here and you'd be yeah. like well shit yeah well shit we do have a lot bad. of Hispanics over here but yeah it's it's just I think that we share that that uh, that pleasure of being challenged and and uh, constantly being challenged by your environment and so yeah that's good because I mean if you're not I if I'm not challenged too, I get bored because you're growing as a person yep yeah. well I feel I don't know because there's a lot of Spanish speakers that come through my work, and I don't feel like we do enough to. I don't feel like people try. I no. don't feel like. Because they're comfortable, complacent. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we don't even have. I mean, at at work, we don't even have the handouts that have Spanish. You know, they don't. We have them all in English. We don't have hardly any in Spanish. Really? Yeah, and I don't know. You know, and there's not enough people who want in the U.S. that want to learn. I mean, I don't know. There, there's actually. Tons and tons of people in the U.S. that are multilingual, but the ones that aren't, I feel like aren't because they've chosen to not be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't speak, I didn't speak any Spanish. I mean, I don't, there's nobody in my family speaks Spanish. I decided I just wanted to speak Spanish. Yeah? Wow. Yeah. That's cool. That's... Yeah. Because, I mean, my last boyfriend was Dominican, so that oh, helps. Dominican? Oh, Dominican. He was Dominican. Dang. He was so handsome. Dominicans are very handsome, man. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted to communicate with his mom. Aww. So, so I just sweet. decided I want to learn, and then I, I loved it, and then yeah. I kept learning. It opened up your world. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I, I want to learn, like, so many languages. Me too. Like, that would be so awesome to just be able to speak and communicate with different people. Because I love the anthropologist's perspective of language is uh, the window to a culture. It is. And it's a totally different perspective. Totally it is. way of, like, living and just, like... We can't fathom, like an English speaker that doesn't speak anything but English cannot fathom the mindset, the perspective of a Russian uh, or any other different language. And right. It's just, it just, it's a different world. It's literally a different world. It is. And how yeah. good it feels when you start being part, being part of that world. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's just, and, and I feel like for the most part, I mean, I, at least I've experienced that if you try, people respond well to that. Yeah. To the effort. Yeah. see how much time we've got on here. I think we have a lot of time on there. Yeah, yeah we got like an hour <laughs> in. Wow. No, that's good. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty usual. That's pretty... It's going to take forever to edit, though. It is going to take forever to edit. It's not going to be up for a while. <laughs> um, oh, man. We could keep on going because I still want to pick your brain. Yeah, should we stop? <laughs> we should stop because I still want to ask you about so many other things. Mainly... Um, Okay, what's up after this? I do okay. this question. What's this one? I want to know the women. Oh, I love them. They're majestic. Creatures. I know you love women, Mike. <laughs> and there's something about them that loves like emotional response. They love mm-hmm. like you guys are overwhelmed with emotions. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. That's why you guys like puppies 
and little kitty cats and babies. Don't you like all of those things too? Yeah, yeah, they're pretty cute. I like them, but not as emotionally emotionally uh, invested in like a woman is. Hmm. Okay. And I think it also goes with like with finding a significant other and wanting to break down that wall to see what emotions they're bottling up so they could express that. I mean, like women love doing that. Yeah, yeah. Is that true or not? Um, because <laughs> you gave me a smile, give me a little laugh, like, oh, I do that too much, maybe. I don't know, I, th- I don't know, I guess, I think, I don't think we're programmed, but I think we're, we're socialized, and we've been socialized for so long, mm-hmm. that it's, it's more, I mean. Like, do you get a high off of that? Do you guys get like, like, I feel like you guys like that, so you guys, I mean, it's in your, you. I think it's in your nature to, like. I'll tell you what I like, I can't speak for all women, because I'm not. You know, you can speak we're for all different. For 67, 60%? 67.9% of them. 67.9%. Yeah. I am a, like, tiny, white female. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a minority. Well, I'm like, my size is a minority. Yeah. But I can speak for all the white women, I guess. <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry. Um, so, yes, emotions. What's, what is it with this emotions? Yeah. I think we always like to be the ones... That can, you know, because I guess it goes back to finding that guy that's a challenge. Because mm-hmm. um, we like to be that one that basically unlocks somebody's somebody's doors or that breaks down their barriers. Because it feels good to be the person that they trust. It's a very intimate thing. Right. Like, but yeah, it also, yeah. it, it feels like you almost feel powerful too. <laughs> it's awful. I think. I mean. I think you it's. You guys are freaking evil. Like, <laughs> I feel. I mean. I feel. No. No. I know what you mean. It. It, it is powerful. Like, and I feel like. I, I feel like if people reciprocate that, they both make each other feel that way. Mm-hmm. But I think that naturally we're more. We're more in tune with different facial expressions, different um, small nuances, um, emotions, and naturally, like I think they did this experiment actually, and. I, again, it's that nature and nurture thing that you were talking about. Because mm-hmm. I think it's both. I do think it's both. Um, like, oh gosh, these little girls. So this, this lady makes lemonade, right? And this lemonade's horrible. <laughs> like on purpose. It's horrible. Okay. And these kids are all, gosh, five or six. And she asks the boys what they think of it, right? And they're like, oh, it sucks. It's terrible. <laughs> like you shouldn't sell this. Yeah. And then the girls are like, I like it, but I think it could be better this way. And yeah. so the, since it, from a young age, they're more conscious of other people's emotions and they're more they're more able to tactfully kind of maneuver uh, a situation to avoid hurt feelings mm. and i mean i think that the attraction to emotion is just something it's something we're we're naturally attuned to for the most part yeah not all of us um and there's also you know as you grow up there's things you shut off and there's things that you don't want to but i definitely think that naturally girls are better at sensing the small emotions like you can tell somebody's having a bad day and they didn't have to tell you or you feel like you're not supposed to be in a certain situation and Mm -hmm. it's usually right um and that's why you girls are so sensitive (laughs) i don't think we're all that sensitive i just think we're taught to kind of tune into it whereas you're taught to tune into the the more like the leadership and yeah, the, and masculine and don't display it as weakness. Right, because yeah. you guys don't even get to talk to anybody. I mean, you might have guy I friends. I want to talk to so many people, right? You now. probably want to. I mean, I don't know. All of my guy friends say that that they can't talk to their guy friends about emotions or you know after you got you're not really supposed to be able to be emotional. Mm-hmm. Even in your innermost circle of guy friends, they get weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not yours, but 
I think. Yeah, yeah we're very free willies out here. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're a little different, but. But no, because I, I think we understand that, but I think um, the majority of people don't. Yeah. Just being emotionally intelligent. And... I just think it's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. We're not, nobody's, nobody values emotionally, the mm-hmm. emotional intelligence anymore. I mean, maybe more so now, but for a long time it was just, and like the leadership style too, because it's brilliant. Emotional intelligence serves you so well in leadership positions, Mm -hmm. but they see this, you know, the more brash and, you know, straightforward, which straightforward is sometimes code for other things. I don't think it's that effective sometimes, Um, but that leadership style is so much more valued for some reason than the natural, you know, empathetic, Mm -hmm. you know, understanding leadership style which is actually more popular with millennials because it works well with the new generation so maybe we're moving back the other way yeah i think we're eventually challenging challenging ourselves and it's a i think i see it just online it's like the battle of labels and all these labels are um all these labels have preconceived notions right i think that's going to be the title of the podcast (laughs) Uh, there's so many preconceived notions in all these labels that we created that people are finally getting to express their opinion about these preconceived notions. And so it's slowly going to deteriorate all these labels mm-hmm. uh, by other people having different opinions and ideas. And um, I think, of course, it's going to get down to the emotions and our emotional response. Yeah. Well, that's why people, I mean, the safe space and the... <laughs> And all that stuff. I don't think that's yeah. bad. I think that's that's understanding that, you know, we need to be conscious of other people's emotions instead of what we have been doing. Right. So, I don't know. I think it's good. I think the PC thing is good. I think the, you know, trying to work around people's emotions is good. I think, I don't, I don't see any problem with that at all. I think that, you know, some people are definitely more emotional than others. Mm-hmm. And there has to be a balance. But I don't think being conscious of other people's feelings is a weakness. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the thing right there. It's definitely not a weakness. Yeah. It's, you know, just you being able to relate to whatever you got exposed to. And so I can't wait for all these guys to start crying because there's so many guys that need to cry. I see it inside of me. You need to get it out. I know. Go get yourself a girlfriend and cry it out. (laughs) You're not mad at me. You're mad at that thing you're holding on to inside. Yeah, there's a lot of, I feel like that's, Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I think this is a good way to end it. I agree. Um, thank you for being on the podcast. You're welcome. Yeah. And i um, looking forward to doing further projects with you. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right.